My name is John Jacob and this is a new series of the Thoroughly Good podcast, Serendipitous 45-minute or thereabout conversations about classical music recorded in venues, cafes, bars and concert halls across the UK. Subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Audio Boom, or via the website www.thoroughlygood.me. You can tweet about the podcast by using at thoroughlygood, or if you prefer, you can always email thoroughlygood at gmail.com. For this series of podcasts, I've invited people I know from the classical music world to sit behind a microphone and talk about the subject they love. Unplanned, serendipitous conversations are real conversations. They're the kind of experiences we have every day, uh, and it's these kind of conversations which can sometimes stir the mind. They're also conversations that potentially can transform aloof subjects into something slightly more every day. That's the hope. Each podcast is unscripted, unplanned and aside from one or two tiny aesthetic improvements they're also entirely unedited. This first podcast features pianists Christina McMaster and Tom Poster and me. I'm not a pianist but they are. When we recorded this in November last year we were surrounded by grand pianos at the Blutner Piano Showroom in central London where in addition to pianos for purchase there are practice rooms for hire and extremely accommodating staff on hand who make a cracking cup of tea. In this first episode, Christina, Tom and I talk about the pianist Mitsuko Uchida, composer uh, Rachmaninoff, and the sniffiness about a good tune, and also animals with unusual noses. I want to ask you a thing about being here at Blue Note, which is... um, uh, the piano. I, I had quite an emotional moment coming in, coming in the showroom, mm. because yeah. to see all of these pianos uh, all in one place is sort of quite. They almost have a human quality to it. And I don't know whether I'm being yeah. weird when I say that, no, or like whether you recognise what I mean. It's like a zoo, but I think they don't mind being in, in captivity. Yeah, yeah. But do you experience that when you see them? As in that sort of. I think we're oh my a god, bit it's more a used piano. to seeing okay. massed pianos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's not, I mean, yeah. yes. But yeah, it's great. I, mean, I yeah. love my piano. Like I will, you know, for my piano at home, I'll sort yeah. of treat it more like a, a friend or a yeah. person or something. Yeah. Yeah. In my attitude towards it, yes. I don't have long conversations. They are, they are like <laughs> friends. Like they're, yeah, they they're like sort of companions for yeah, life. You know, definitely. but actually, I think like not just your piano, but like generic pianos. Mm. Like yeah. when you when you walk into a house and see a piano, it's like oh, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. it's really. And I think the flip side for me is when I saw I saw a documentary on BBC Four recently with Susie Klein where she was doing stuff oh, yeah. about it's called Tunes and Tyrants, mm-hmm. and she did a she did a sequence where they took a sledgehammer to a piano, uh, and she destroyed ah. the piano with the sledgehammer. And and whenever I see no. a piano being destroyed, it's just like oh no, you're you. You can't do that. I actually, I had this really awful reaction to that when I was a kid. I remember mm. uh, there was a school my mum taught at, and they were advertising. They had this school fair, and one of the things on offer was piano smashing. They were going to like piano smash up and smash up so an upright fun. piano. That's and I was like, I was so upset. I think I actually cried because mm. yeah. I was like, that was like watching someone like beat up that an animal is, or something. Yes, and that yes, was like, exactly. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, so there is, there is. So yeah, connection. I felt really protective of that piano. I really wanted to like save it, save its life. Mm. So, yeah. Set up a RSPCP. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would have done. I would have done. <laughs> okay. yeah. We're just going to leave Christine there in her corner. Um, what do you? So when you come in here and you play a piano that you haven't played before, what are you looking for? 
as a pianist. Oh, you want it to just like sound beautiful, basically, yeah. as soon as you. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, no, 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 yeah. No, I think there's a sort of immediate warmth of sound for me that I, I always look for, and, and a responsiveness and a, a sort of range of color. But exactly, you know, it's it's the response. You can't control what what's going to come out, mm. so you have to sort of wait for it to, you know, see what it's giving you back. I think. Yeah. Um, and purchasing one, I mean, they, they are oh, yeah. they are expensive yeah. pieces of furniture as well. I mean, they're not yeah. furniture, it's not just furniture, but but the one that you're sat at, Christina, is what 110,000, yes, you're leaning on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're leaning on yeah. it in a slightly oh, like glamorous way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, it, is it a daunting process buying one? I mean, I would worry about, about having to spend a lot of money and making sure that I've got yeah. the right one. I, what do you have at home? What I've, ne I've never have bought you one, never actually, bought because one? I, I, I was very, very lucky to um, be in a competition for which the first prize was a, was a Blutner piano, actually. Oh, wonderful. So, right. okay. so, because I, I could never have afforded a grand piano. I mean, I grew yeah. up with a little kawaii upright, which was what I always had to do. I was in my mid-twenties, and then I was just lucky enough to that's, have that's this Blutner, like, land yeah. on my so doorstep, you just got which was amazing, you know, for, for someone yeah, who's never... Yeah, so... Mm. Uh, so it's a grand... Yeah, it's a, like a, it's 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 not like the, as big as this one, but it's right. it's, it's bigger it than this one. It's like, like a, a it's a, no, <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's six foot or something like that. Right. Yeah. So it's what was the competition? What did you have to it do? It was the Scottish International Piano Competition. Uh -huh. I had to play the piano. You just had to play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you play? Do you remember it? Oh. Yeah, I remember. oh. Uh, clearly, you don't. Nice, uh, that Ligeti <laughs> issue, the fanfares and that. Oh, I, I did actually. I did. I did play Ligeti, yeah. but I, and I, I know in the final I played Rachmaninoff's Second Concerto, and then on the way I played some, played the last Beethoven Sonata, it was 111, and mm. some Schubert. Uh, so tell me about. Um, I know one pianist who doesn't like Rachmaninoff. Can you guess who he is? Oh, I'm not sure a test. I know, I know. One quite famous one. I think Andras Schiff has said publicly that he's very proud that he never played a Rachmaninoff concerto. I actually heard recently, because he's always been slightly sniffy about Rachmaninoff, I think, but I, I did hear recently that he actually admitted that the Rachmaninoff cello sonata is a very good piece. Oh, so, how, how, so how, how was, magnanimous. Was, well, you know, <laughs> uh, no, there, there, there I thought Alfred Brendel had also said that he didn't yeah, really rate Oh, rate yeah, I can well imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. What is the sniffiness around Rachmaninoff? It's ridiculous if you ask me that. Well, that, that, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand what the sniffing. No, neither is. do I, because I love Rachmaninoff. So, right. I mean, I don't love all the the repertoire of Rachmaninoff, mm. but the, like the concertos, especially, I think, are masterpieces. The sniffiness is. People say things like, "Oh, he, he didn't sort of do anything new, and he wasn't pushing boundaries." But you hear two bars of Rachmaninoff, and you know it's Rachmaninoff. He yeah. has just such an individual world, and. I think sometimes people are a bit sniffy about things that are really popular. Yes. Yes. And yes. I think things that are really popular are <coughs> normally popular. Not always, but, mm. you know, yeah. but, but like, you know, I think there's a reason why Rachmaninoff mm. 2, why people just love it, because it's music that speaks directly from the heart. And do I you think... And it's, you know, sorry, it has lasted, you know, there's, yeah. there's popular music which we don't hear anymore. Yeah, like exactly. Saint-Saëns was very popular in his day. But we don't play as much as, you know, in contrast with how successful he was in his time, we don't play so mm. much no, music that's true. now. That's true. Um, yeah. Is it because of melody, though? Because, I mean, he was able to craft a, an amazing melody. Uh, certainly in the second piano concerto. Which I think a lot of it is. Yeah, I mean, and, I think and the luscious harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, is it that so sniffiness, uh, especially in the classical music world, is there a sniffiness around 
a good, a good tune. tune. Yeah, which I mean, for me, like <laughs> throughout musical history, the things that are like most special for me are things with a good tune. And mm. I, I yeah. very much admit that. You I know. know, I wouldn't look uh, for something without a good <laughs> no, tune. <laughs> 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 and yet, and yet, yeah. uh, so if performers are saying it, and the audience clearly likes yeah. a good tune mm. because that's what makes <coughs> them come back to it. What? What? Why are, why are some people still sniffy about it? I don't know. Oh, the music I don't, he, they're awful. Is, it, is that right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know who these people are. Apart I'm from not making it up. You've mentioned. No, no, I believe you. I believe <laughs> yeah. you, but I don't know if... I don't realise that people feel so strongly against Rachmaninoff. I think Rachmaninoff's come much more sort of back into fashion. I, I think actually, yeah, it's much rarer to encounter that, or at least people who admit to it. I mean, I... But there, there are composers that people are people are sniffy about. Mm. Yeah. Actually, recently I've been, I, you know, I've been, I've always had a great fondness for Gershwin and Cole Porter and the mm -hmm. Great American Songbook mm -hmm. in general, and, mm. and I often include some of those songs in transcription in, oh, in yes, recitals. And I find people say, even with Gershwin, who is one of the obviously one of the great 20th century composers, I think I didn't, didn't even think there was a sort of argument about that you know he wrote one of the greatest operas of all time mm. you know great symphonic work um, but people still you know when I program Gershwin alongside Ravel and after all Gershwin and Ravel knew each other and respected each other's mm. work hugely and um, it seems like a very natural pairing but people mm. say oh isn't it a bit Gershwin. offensive to put <laughs> Gershwin yeah. Yeah. it makes yeah. me really angry yeah. actually as though, um, as though the implication you know, is that, that Gershwin wasn't a serious composer no. but Ravel was no ex exactly yeah. I, so, I, I, I struggle with that I do odd. struggle with it is um, uh, this may seem obvious? Is the Rachmaninoff that you played number two? Mm. It sounds difficult. Is it, or is it just? Or is your question? Is it, is it as difficult as it sounds? sounds. Is it smoke? I mean, I think because song. Rachmaninoff was, he might have been, you know, arguably about the greatest pianist ever to have lived. So Ooh. he certainly knew. I'm sorry, Christine. <laughs> yes, I thought I was talking. How very rude! Sorry, the <laughs> second, the second. What second a rude voted. man he is. Uh, no, he that's was, quite well, a that's a strong statement. No, that's why I, I I I prefaced it with like arguably, and then I sort of yeah. slightly muted it. But I wouldn't. Yes, you know, still, I, you can't say it's the greatest. Offended. But really anyway, offended. he is <laughs> one of the great great pianists, and so he certainly knew how to write. So music had maximum effect. And no, I would say there are concertos, which are certainly harder than Rachmaninoff too. The other thing about that concerto is the piano is very much, I feel it's very much like large-scale chamber music. In mm. fact, the piano is mm -hmm. accompanying mm -hmm. a lot yes. of the way yes. to that concerto, yeah, accompanying the wind solos, accompanying the whole string section of the tune. And, yeah. and so uh, it doesn't have a big cadenza. It doesn't, you know, it, it's actually, it's incredibly integrated into the texture. So it's a wonderful concerto to play. I wouldn't say it's the hardest, but it's, mm. but there are a few really scary moments. When I hear fun. it, um, <laughs> I, I'm prepared to confess that actually, you know, I play the piano a bit. I've mm. got my grade eight. Oh, uh, I didn't know but that. I wasn't, mm. Yeah, I, you know, I was okay. Mm. Uh, but sometimes when I hear it, I think, oh, I really wish I'd been able to play that because of the basically the coda in the last movement where I just think I want <laughs> I want everybody in the auditorium to be listening to me yeah. uh, is that how what it's like when you play it or is, that, or is it that more like a stressful process no, well by the time you're at the code <laughs> like the hard stuff's out of the way so <laughs> then it's a thrill but, yeah. but is there a, is there an experience of in that particular concerto and maybe I'm being ridiculously nerdy and projecting too much of myself into it yeah. but is there an experience of I have the I have the floor. Everybody is listening to me, and they're waiting for the you know for the final. Well, it's not just about everyone listening to me. I think it's everyone listening to Rachmaninoff, and I'm. Or, just, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, but for some um, soloists, it would be, wouldn't it? I mean, I went well, to don't see. Don't name um, them. Don't name oh, them. No, but I mean, we're, I, we we probably all 
have more ego than we like to admit sometimes. And I think, I think, I think when we say it's all about the music, that's yeah. probably you know, not quite I true think that's either. a bit, yeah. I find I that. But I think the preparation is about the music. Like yeah. How you prepare has to be all about yeah. the music. But I think um, maybe you call it ego, or what, but there has to be something that connects you and the audience together. Yes, exactly. So you, and that's a nice a way of putting it. Yeah. I, I don't think you should be thinking, this is about me, everyone's listening yeah. to me. I think that... You but kind of set yourself up for a big fall. Yeah, <laughs> I get what you're saying. I think, but it's... I, but but as an audience member, I just think, well, actually, you are the person in the centre of the stage. You're the soloist. You're accredited in the programme as a soloist. I also understand where you're mm. coming from that you are interpreting the music, but no, it's but a you big mix of all those there. things, isn't it? it? I is, think it's, yeah. it's so complicated. And I think this. you can, and I've seen this where a soloist is all about them, the yeah. person. Yeah, and it's. It's a really bizarre thing to experience, I yes. think. It's it's and it's strange. It's a bit like, you know, someone who you who you meet and they're just all about themselves and you can't really connect to them. Mm. You know, if you're talking and then they're you know, I d I don't know, they're just sort of all wrapped up in themselves and you're not really um connecting in any way listening to each other and mm. i think it's the same with when you perform is that wrapped up in physicality then i mean do you um, see that i think it's like um yeah them just being really conscient conscious of themselves you know right. yeah. and it's, um physicality i think it can yeah, be they can get lost in their own sort of gestures and things you know it's sort of um, and gestures are important mm. how you explain the music i do believe it's mm. uh, you know, there are some great pianists who hardly move at all, mm. and I love that mm. is, is just as much as. Um, but I do think you can show things and open up uh, what people are listening to yeah. through certain yeah. gestures. But if those gestures are more about kind of just enjoying your own company too much, I think <laughs> that then stops uh, yeah. serving. Yeah, I'd never uh, really considered it like that. that there yeah. are be, might be musicians who just enjoy their own company. Yeah, well, I saw something like that recently, <laughs> and it, it was really? it was strange. I was like, is this a concert? It was almost like what I was thinking of by the end. Yeah, it was, yeah it was strange. Yeah. Did I say the name of <laughs> Yes, you did, repeatedly. No, Sadly not. We were waiting. And we can run and run yeah. and run. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all evening. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. really, there's time. <laughs> well, one musician that I love, yes. who's not like that at all, who's complete opposite, is Mitsuko Uchida. You are a big She's fan. I'm a massive you? fan. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to go see her tonight. She's doing Schubert, um, three pianists and artists tonight, and then another three um, on the 1st of December. What is so it that you... I'm, I'm interested to know what you both... What it is about her that you mm. both love? Well, I love her sort of absolute genuine joy for every every note in the music that she plays. She's she's so thorough in her understanding of music, and she knows the context, and she's very intelligent with how how she's approached um, her career and development as a yeah. pianist. You know, yeah. she hasn't spread herself ridiculously yeah. thin, and yeah. she's you know she knows who her composers or who her works are, or who are the works that she can. Um, contribute greatest to you know yeah. how people listen yeah. and respond to these, mm. and she and she's so thorough, yeah. and, and and she's just she's just so genuinely passionate about what she does, and she loves her audience, mm. and she you know you really get that, and um, I heard her in an interview recently, and she said that you know to prepare thoroughly is to love your audience, and it's you know it it, it shows in what she does. Yeah. And so she's conscientious. She is, um, 
yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's dedicated to the music, and it's she yeah. shows new things in the music. Like these recordings of the Debussy etudes, which she does, are fantastic. Um, because every time I listen to them, it sounds like it's spontaneous, and it's it yeah. holds all her character in it. But equally, Debussy's, mm. you know, that kind of. Yeah, she just captures all that. You clearly, that, I mean, oh, you, yeah. are, you are really excited <laughs> to talk do, about yeah. that. That's lovely. Yeah. That yeah. is lovely. Yeah. And actually, the, the, the Mozart concertos, which she, mm. to see her directing those from the, the keyboard, oh, I find incredibly yeah. uh, inspiring. I mean, I, I, mm. Mozart, anyway, is so sort of close to my heart and has always been. And I've, I've been recently, you know, I've played a lot of the concertos, but recently coming to directing them for the first time. And actually, I learned so much from watching the way she just inhabits the music from, from the first moment. And mm. there's a, there, there is a real physicality there, especially yes. when she's conducting, but it's not a sort of... In a way, the, the conducting is quite unconventional, but it's just mm. pure transmitting of, of music and a, a kind of synthesis of everything, I think. Mm. And it's so, you know, there's not a division of, you know, when she then sits down to play the piano. It's just, it's all music. Mm. And I think that's... Yeah. She strikes me as very humble on stage as well. Mm. So she's the complete opposite. I mean, maybe that's why you mentioned her name, but she she is the complete opposite of what you're saying. That mm. it isn't yeah. ne- not really about her, and yet she has this tremendous spirit yeah. about her which is infectious yeah. yeah and I think to be honest if you ask musicians who their very favourite musicians are it would often be the people with, with less kind of you know me 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 about it and there's people who get really to, to the the heart of things and I, I would mm. someone else I admire hugely is Radu Lupu who oh, I yeah, think has a too. very very similar kind of I mean he's very sort of self-effacing and, and mm. uh, have you uh, seen uh, him live? Uh, not for a long time. Yeah. I mean, really yes, I have. Because yes, he have, doesn't perform that no, often. No, he doesn't. Right. He lives in, is he in Romania? Maybe. I don't know. He, but, well, wherever yeah, well, he I mean, is. He has a London base, I think. Oh, does he? he? Oh, but, I just um, Yeah. That. But um, no, there's something very mysterious and, and secretive about him. But I think when he plays, it's just so. There's nothing in the way of just the, the right. music, really. Because there is, I suppose, there is a danger that um, by being self effacing and sort of very modest very humble that that in itself can get in the way i mean i, I think of musicians that i've seen who who are so sort of so humble that it's almost annoying <laughs> right. Do, right. do you know what i mean it's like would you please tell me something that you're passionate about that that's oh but yeah i don't <clears> think <throat> self-effacing has to mean you don't have the passion i mean i no. think it's it's absolutely yeah. no that the passion is is essential yeah um who inspired yeah. you to play um did inspire me to play I don't know funnily enough I wasn't really it wasn't the piano that I was particularly into as, as a kid I, I was really inspired by by music and as a whole um, actually one of my first inspirations was, was David Munro who was an, uh, a specialist mm. in early wind instruments mm-hmm. and I had he all these flautist, wasn't yeah he was yeah. mainly but he also played kind of crumb horns and corner music right. and rackets and all these like really weird sounding medieval wind instruments and he really <laughs> yeah. sort of brought about a revival in the early yes, music yes, right. and yeah, I, yeah. I used to love listening to all of that that, that was really my passion so, <laughs> so did you listen to him on Radio 3 because he had a Radio 3 you no know, we had an old record because my, my parents didn't really know anything about classical music so the, oh, the, they right? bought me like a few records and that was mm-hmm. one of them I was really transfixed wow. and so I just got really passionate about music and anything I heard 
much more than about the piano, which actually originally I thought was one of the more boring instruments. Like, I like the wind instruments. Basically. This is all. So, I, so I, I, I wanted to play lots of instruments, essentially. Um, so I wanted to, yeah, I played the piano. I played the recorder, of course, to start, as many people do. Right. I played the cello and I played the oboe, and I thought the oboe was the, the, the best, really. Right. Until I realised yeah. it's really painful to play and yeah. not much fun. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the piano didn't come to the forefront until later on. So it wasn't a sort of pianistic inspiration originally but but then the thing about the piano is you're so <coughs> self-sufficent and it's just you know it's just there and you can just yeah, go you and are play and you it want it's it's it was string players got that well yeah it's just the, the oh they have their own instrument. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I always thought you were from a musical background I didn't no. know why I, I just presume that but that's no. nice did you feel you had freedom just to do your own yeah thing absolutely yeah. completely and I think that's you know I, it's funny I, I think are you from a musical family well I, I mean my mum's very musical my yeah. dad's very enthusiastic <laughs> about <laughs> like singing and yeah. so um but not professionally my yeah. sisters are not yeah. and um yeah. but it was definitely there but no one really pushed me which I'm now grateful for but you're mm. a gymnast Yes, with, I remember now. I remember oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did gymnastics to begin with. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, you're you're sort of you're. Um, you look like you don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, I, I think I've spoken about that enough with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I've done it. I've, yeah, I d and I love watching gymnastics still. It's um, and it's quite. It's good. You've got to be fairly physically fit for playing the piano. Um, yeah, that's true. Stamina. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Wim you played in Wimbledon, didn't you? At the yes. Wimbledon Festival. Yes. What happened there? I don't make it sound like there was. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 there was no incident. What happened there, Christine? It was Bill's as a really great concert. <laughs> Um, yeah, no drama. <laughs> such a gorgeous Tell piano. Tell us about the concert. Um, yeah, really nice Steinway mm. that. <laughs> there, was, are, um, there are other pianos. There are other pianos, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a really great piano. Um, I was playing the Debussy, well, I did a couple of Philip Glass etudes, a piece by Meredith Monk, um, Ellis Island, and um, the first book of Debussy etudes, which um, is, yeah, brilliant works. So, yeah, so I performed them. It was a really good audience. They were all f listening very very hard which is great I could I could feel that because I performed them a few times recently for the first time and what I realized on my first performance which was up in Scotland um, there is a lot for the audience to take in mm -hmm. somehow you know you can pick up on that you know I know the audience is listening but can they absorb all these different changes so they're very different from the preludes which tend to sort of lead you through some of the preludes sound quite improvisatory as well mm. um but the etudes uh, really quick changes actually what i realized so um i debussy you probably know is a fan of edgar Allan poe and so i started oh, yeah. reading his um short stories imagination and mysteries and um my dad read these when he was a little boy they were like really very yeah highly dramatic and every note or every word in it counts in the story and some of them you just read in 30 minutes or an hour or something um and some really surprising things can happen and little quirky details and it's just like the pieces the debussy ages i mean 
I don't know if he, I'm sure he did read those, but it, yeah, I think it was like the etudes in the sense that you have to listen to every note. You can't miss anything. So you, you just have to listen really hard, as does the pianist. You have to be ready for these quick changes. So he wrote them at the end of his life um, in 1915. Um, and Sati sort of commented, oh, finally, Debussy has taken a leaf out of my book because they're witty and... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a slightly, <laughs> slightly unpleasant quote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, I mean, Sati would tease Debussy. They were great friends, yeah. but he would definitely tease him a lot. Um, so, yeah, I love those pieces. So I'm working on the second book now. I don't know them at all, yes. but actually just hearing you talk about them makes me think I'm going to... Going to seek them out. Great, yes, do. Uchida's recording in 85 <laughs> is one I'd recommend. Is, do you yeah. represent her? There are other pianists. Yes, there are. Other, there are other great pianists. <laughs> uh, and you were, at, you were in St John Smith Square. Yes. Were you not? Exactly, playing? giving the, the inaugural concert in the new Blutner series. And um, what, was, what was on the programme, please? I'm sorry I wasn't there. What was on the programme? It was a... Um, Actually, it was a chamber music programme. I was sort of given free reign, really, for, for who I might want to invite as collaborators. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I, I had a wonderful time um, with Elena Uriosti and Juan Miguel Hernandez and Laura van der Hayden. Um, and we played, the, the major work was Brahms' A Major Piano Quartet, which is one of my Desert mm -hmm. Island pieces. Yeah. Um, and in the first half, we played lots of shorter works for different combinations of us um, by, I suppose, influences and friends of Brahms. So there was... Schumann, there was Clara Schumann, there was Schubert, there was Dvorak. Um, yeah, sort of different illuminations on on the sort of major, the meat of the second half. Which and was how the long do you have to take to prepare for something like that? Because that sounds like a lot of music. Yes. Well, it is a lot of music, um, especially the Brahms. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, chamber projects, it sort of very much varies because everyone's always sort of coming in from different places. And mm. um, yeah, we had a, a few days together to, to prepare and... and We've all worked together in different combinations, although not in that exact foursome. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, Is there pressure on rehearsals when, it, because you're having to combine diaries? Um, is there, do you, as both of you, do you experience pressure when you turn up to rehearsal and play your part, and, it, and then you finish the rehearsal and think actually that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Oh, yeah, all the time. The I mean, that's just like that. That's, that's a great luck. learning moment. That's, yeah. that's you just got to... Yeah. yeah, it's well, a bit like the yin you, yoga yeah. we were talking about. That's yeah. like yeah, the difficult... Exactly. And you, yeah, and that, that's but, uh, the do, moment you Do you experience moments. that in the rehearsal? And if you do experience it in the rehearsal, do you do, are you both of the mind that you just have to put a brave face on it? Or, or are you... Well, no, sometimes you say, this feels terrifying or, or right. we really need a bit more time or, or, or you think to yourself, I need to think, go away and think about this you know, right. before the next rehearsal. And, yeah, you've got to stay um, positive. Yeah, It's yeah. like you but can't be you like, oh, this is crap the whole way through. And there are some people like that. Yeah, really. It's really? funny, yeah, yeah. some people... So, it's, okay, so yeah. that, and that's probably where, where my question comes from. Yeah. It, as, a, as a musician, when you're in the company of people like that, mm. do you find that off-putting? Do you sort of yeah. go, please, <laughs> please don't say that. Well, if you're no, having I a mean, crisis, go somewhere else. You probably wouldn't work with that person or those sort of people again, I don't yeah, think. Well, sort of, but, you know, I've had people who are just like, really negative coming off a concert, you know, in these... Um, yeah. Talking sort of, about themselves. Yeah. Or, right, okay. or, um, or even in rehearsals. 
doesn't contribute anything just to be say like oh this is awful yeah i mean i think you're like that all the time it's problematic but i think yeah. you know if you if you work with people over over a long period of time they're like everyone sometimes has their bad points yeah. and i and they're, they're low moments and, and these can i help think to sort yeah of propel and i think if, if you, yeah. sometimes it's all our responsibility to sort of pick each other up when we're having a, a moment of self-doubt and crisis as yeah, i think exactly. most musicians do yeah. sometimes need a bit of Support because it's a strange thing, you know, it the is, whole sort of irregularity yes, and the is. freelance life <coughs> and sort of going from one thing to another and not yeah. always having as much time as you want to prepare and feeling exhausted and having travelled and being mm. jet lagged and everything. You know, it is a sort of vulnerable thing, I think. Yeah. And, and, do you and do I think sorry. musicians are sometimes afraid to admit that it's really hard and sometimes they feel really like crap, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Like, so I think. I think, you know, it is important to, uh, yeah, to, to be honest, you know, sometimes when, you know, and especially if you're sort of physically below par, it can be very difficult, I think, to sort of give emotionally everything you want to give. Mm. What so is I the right thing to do mm. if you're a stage manager? I know this is like, you're mm. just going to need to suspend yeah, disbelief. We'll this, <laughs> but if you're a stage manager and you're operating the door, yeah. what is the right way of addressing the musician or the soloist when they've come off the stage? I mean, you know, my, my instinct would be to go, oh, God, that was amazing. But maybe that's just not the right thing to do. Well, do I don't think I mean? any musician's going to mind that. that. I think that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. I, I, I think, <laughs> no, I think if, yeah, if your internal processing is going, geez, I really didn't enjoy that process. And yeah. then you've got somebody going to you, God, that was amazing. Do you see what I mean? I, don't I think no. it's, it's great. <clears throat> well, sorry, you go. No, no, go you yeah. I mean, I think it's great to hear people's feedback and you can pick up a vibe of, yeah. of how people respond to that. You know, if and if they say something more specifically, that's great. You always have your own things. It's not oh, up yeah. to the audience to. And you, you're gonna. I mean, I, I think less now. I don't worry about those things because then, hopefully, on the whole, everything else would have been great. And it's not things which audience know that. Yeah. But I just want to do this better. So you know, like after the last concert I did of the A shoes, I just wanted to wake up the next morning and study them. You know, because yeah. It, it, yeah. and not just because of the things that didn't go the same way I imagined in the concert, but just actually they're great to study. They're really good pieces yeah. to actually yeah. study is the difference sort of like performing yeah, and studying this. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know how you feel, but I just it's, think it's, it's my, <laughs> my responsibility and I don't want to, um, I can't imprint what other people think of it. If they think it was amazing, thanks. That's great. You no, know? that's true. But it's, it's just... But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always... Not, I mean... You say that before you, sit, before you sit down to talk, before you sit down to play. Yeah. If you think this is about, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's... it's I, it never hurts to hear something nice yeah. after performance. I think it's definitely nicer than hearing something not nice, which I've actually had, you know, a number of times when I come off stage and people... Actually um, not nice or oh, yeah. people trying to show well, their knowledge. Well, a big... big the thing in chamber music is is people coming up and talking about the balance. Always, if there's a piano yeah. and another instrument, someone will always come yes. in the balance. I once gave a piano quintet concert at the Wigmore, and afterwards, the first two people that came in, one of them said, "Oh, the piano was too loud." And the next one said, oh, the piano was too quiet. And I thought, well, already already this is problematic. (laughs) But anyway, this is not the time to complain about it. And actually, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I had a recital. And afterwards, this guy barged into my dressing room. He didn't even knock. It was literally half a minute after I'd come off stage. I later found out, you know, he, he was a sort of 
Yeah, for one failed concert. Oh, <laughs> oh I um, see. But anyway, anyway, that, so that, that doesn't really matter. He came in and, and he, he basically proceeded to give me quite a critical rundown of my program. He said, oh, I enjoyed the second half, you know. And then he told me about the problems in the first half. He was, and some of it was just like, I didn't even know what he was on about. And actually, I thought, I'm not going to put up with this. So I just said, I'm really sorry, but it's not the time. And mm. I, you know, Good. I well done, Tom. And actually, yeah. I sort of thought, that's just, well, it's just not rude. what you need it's to know. Rude. It's yeah. Rude. It's rude. Thanks not, for saying that. I think, I think that's really important. Yeah. criticism from an audience member who hasn't even like, asked, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, May exactly. I share my views yeah. with you? No, you and can't. That, yeah. and, and also I, the concert I, is over. <laughs> and I, was re- I, I found it really <laughs> difficult to say that, you know, because your automatic response is to just kind of smile and say, oh, mm. thanks. But, but I think actually, it's I great like, you do. That's not okay. Yeah. No, no. And it, it's helpful for other musicians. And we, no. we, like, when you do those sorts of things, you're actually standing up for other people. Yeah, because there might be someone exactly. who got the same sort of, yeah. that same man doing that. Yeah. And he might have really been in tears or be terrified mm. for the next performance yeah, or something. Exactly. So you've got to stand up for each other. So who do you both go to for feedback then? Or do you have to be self-reliant? But yeah, I mean, I think, well, at the moment I go to myself, really. I mean, my mum's always got an opinion. But, <laughs> 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 um, but, but is it a helpful opinion? Well, she's, yeah, okay. yeah, she's a very fine. wise woman. Fine. <laughs> that's okay, that's fine. She listens to this, you know. <laughs> but no, no, I said, um, yeah, it's, it's yourself. It's yourself that it's important. Like, you're, because, yeah, you're, it's good to hear what audiences have to say. And I'd, and just on that note, I think it is really nice if we can go backstage and say congratulate each other because mm. it's surprising how little people do that, yeah. I think. Especially, like, the bigger the stars, maybe, you know, they'll help and see also, have them. And <coughs> also, depending on how difficult it is to access backstage. Yeah, um, that's true. Because backstage is... I, I don't know where I read this, but backstage is perceived by newcomers to the concert hall as sort of... Hallowed Isles. Mm. Oh yeah, that, that's a shame when people are really just scared to come back. And, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're on another level, so we can't possibly yeah. go backstage. Yeah. And yet actually, well, some halls make it difficult. So yeah, for yeah. To go backstage. But it's nice. You've got to have that human interaction. Yeah. And the audience is so. I mean, we'd be nothing without the audience. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it's very much uh, audiences. I think often don't realise how much impact they have on a concert. Um, and how much they're part of the whole experience and how much difference mm. they make to oh, us absolutely. if they're really focused and really with us. And you can really feel an energy in the hall yeah, often. Definitely. And it's lovely to then have that actual personal, you know, one-to-one yeah. mm. contact afterwards. Yeah. Um, what so have yeah. you both got coming up that you would like to tell us about? Um, I mean, my next London concert is, is next weekend. On the, oh, hang on, weekend after next, the, on the 9th at King's Place, I'm playing... Uh, Mozart concerto with the Aurora Orchestra oh. in their concerto. Mozart. They're doing all the Mozart concertos actually, so I'm playing the eighth concerto, which I've never played, um, and this incredibly beautiful concert aria with uh, piano obbligato, Kiyomi Scordi di Te, um, with, uh, with Sophie Bevan singing. So I'm, mm. I'm very excited about that. And are they doing that um, from memory? I mean, I assume that oh, the Aurora they do, do, do everything they, they from memory. Yeah. They, they no, they don't do everything oh, from memory. They, right. they play a, a number of losers, of major, <laughs> <laughs> major, major symphonies from memory. From memory so, <laughs> yeah. But I th- don't think they play every piece of every concert. Oh, that's a joke. They are terribly exciting. Yeah, yeah. Play with. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, really great. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love all their different projects, what yeah. they're doing. Mm. Actually, I noticed something that I'm doing and going to be developing a little bit more. So I'm, um, I'm a, I've got a role at King's College London, a sort of a 
at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience. Uh, it's AMG. a snappy title. Pardon? It's a snappy, snappy title. Snappy title, <laughs> yeah, it just rolled off the tongue there. Um, and uh, it's, it's sort of something which came about by chance, but um, I'm, yeah, learning loads being amongst scientists. So it's something that I know Aurora do some sort of relaxed concerts, but the last thing which um, I did as part of that was a lying down concert. Mm. Um, and uh, we, we did it at King's um, Chapel, a really beautiful... Do you know the chapel at King's College London on the I Strand d- Campus? I don't think I've ever Oh, it's an amazing place. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of really surprising w- w- the way you're sort of in the in King's Campus and mm. beautiful chapel. Mm. Anyway, so um, the idea of this concert was to measure uh, hallucinogenic states and... Um, provoke them because some studies have shown that for some individuals uh, you can who take hallucinogens it can promote uh, positive health benefits mm-hmm. obviously the the negative benefit or negative um, <laughs> side effects some people the word benefits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The negative side effects outweigh the benefits. Um, anyway, so it, it was really interesting. I love performing in that. It was a really sort of special atmosphere. Mm. So everyone's lying down around. And, um, and then, yeah, there's some, uh, these sort of uh, projections on the ceiling. And then the sort of images kind of suck you in and just sort of like mm. keep going, going, going. Um, and so the president of the Psychedelic Society was there. Hey, wow. Yeah, what a wow. good title. <laughs> He's a young guy, actually. He's, and I thought he would be sort of someone, you know, left over from the 60s or 70s. Left over. You know what I mean? Like, like a dessert. <laughs> He's sort of a young, young, bright person. So, um, yeah. Anyway, he said that it sort of was a bit like a trip. So I take his word for it. Um, And yes, it is interesting. I mean, the next project's going to be a little bit different, but we will be developing that. Um, But it's just very interesting to work with scientists. Have you ever done anything with scientists? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, uh, because, you know, the Wellcome Trust do this whole... um, you know, science and arts yeah, thing, yeah. and I, yeah, I've been along to a sort of discussion day there as well as they have oh, this yeah, hub no, they upstairs. Yeah, yeah, really I, yeah. amazing. Mm. Um, they supported it. I also compose, and I, yeah. I wrote a, a musical with my brother, which had a sort of medical theme recently. So, oh, so actually, really? they, they supported that, and so yeah. I know Toby, my brother, went along to a lot of sort of welcome trust things, and ah. it's absolutely amazing. So, what's so his? He's a puppeteer and theatre maker, basically. Oh, amazing. Um, so, we, so we wrote a show together. But, but yeah, the Welcome Trust were, were kind of invaluable in terms of... Well, I like the way that you just... Do you notice the way he just said that we just wrote a show together? Yeah. Like, just, that's just what we do. Just happen. Yeah. Well, we've been writing songs together since we were about, kind of, you know, since we were kids. Really? That's yeah. wonderful. Where does he do... Where He's based in Bristol, but right. he, he and his wife have a... Have a a theatre company that does quite unusual and experimental mm. things, often involving pu- puppetry and physical theatre and, and all Incredible. I'm reminded there's something on your biography which I find absolutely fascinating, which mm. is you are especially interested in animals with unusual noses. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if it was... I'm struggling with that. Well, in that I, I don't really understand what you enough, mean. Is that in your biography or on your Twitter handle? No, it's actually on my Really? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. so this is serious. Which means then. that it could potentially well, be printed in the programme. Well, it often it? is. <laughs> I mean, because part of biographies are so boring, aren't they? Aren't they? Right. Um, so I, uh, yeah. um, but anyway... Um, I don't know yes, any no, animals I, with unusual noses. Do you not? No. no, you see, I didn't ever set out to collect animals with unusual noses, but at a certain point I realised that the animals I really loved did have unusual noses. I, I don't know if it's because as a child my nose grew before the rest of my face, so I, I was always very aware, <laughs> of, aware of my nose, and maybe I felt That's drawn funny. because of that. But I, I love things like dugongs and tapirs and aardvarks. And, um, I, mean, I, I was never. I mean, they're, they're, they're long, sort of snouty yeah. noses. Yes. It's a great we're, nose. We're it's now a great nose. <laughs> we, we are doing <laughs> a very strange job. Tom, you collect them? Um, you collect no, I them? Collect them physically. <laughs> Just I, imagine I, I, you're, you've I, got pianos, you've got th- aardvarks. These, <laughs> <laughs> these are like long kind of, you know, obsessions from childhood days, right. really. And I, I just, um, yeah, I suppose. I, I was never so interested in, you know, dogs and horses and all these animals that other people liked. I, I was always drawn to the slightly less photogenic. You just had to be different. Well, it, I, well maybe, but it, it wasn't even a conscious decision to be different. But maybe it was a kind of sympathy for the outsider and for I, I you know I, I felt a bit of an outsider as a child and maybe Did I enjoyed the, the less obviously photogenic and much loved animals. Do you I like felt parties? My, do, do I like parties? Yeah, yeah very much. Yeah. Are you okay. going to invite us to a party? No, I'm because I don't like parties. <laughs> oh, right. really? I just wondered whether there was a oh, I mean I'm not like a <laughs> massive party animal. <laughs> no but I, I just I don't like gatherings of big uh, big gatherings of people. I hate I press see. events because yeah. right. I always stand on the edge and just go right. oh god yeah. you know, right. yeah. really uncomfortable I'll just have a book please. Yeah. And I just wondered whether that was where that came from. Oh. I'm basically analysing you. No I was I was very shy as a kid but I, I kind of grew out of that and right. no, I, I'm, I, I think I'm <coughs> relatively sociable these days. But okay. Um, well, you seem to come across in a very open and affable way. So, well done, you. <laughs> uh, so, I need two more things from you, and mm. then, um, uh, and then we can, we can go. Uh, I need a cultural recommendation from both of you. And uh, can I just say that there is a rule that I'm putting in place now, which okay. is you can't say Mitsuko. I thought I, but I've already done my culture. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. no, I think I thought you'd already sort of. Okay, fine. Are you saying that you don't you don't have anything else? Uh, I don't, don't think there's any other culture going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, so to go to. Yes. Recommend to go to. Or a work, or something that you. I, I can do this, and you can think while I'm talking. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend going to see Follies at the National Theatre, oh. which is on till the beginning of January. Have you seen any of the rehearsals then? Uh, I've seen I've seen the the show. I mean, it's been on for a couple of months already. Oh, and it's. I mean, I'm a huge Sondheim fan anyway. I've As am I. Um, but uh, this is really. I mean, I've seen most of his shows now in uh, multiple productions. But actually, I hadn't ever seen Follies live, and I. It's one of the best things I've ever seen at the theatre. Oh, it's wow. Really, we have really, tickets. really wonderful. We have tickets for the oh, 19th great. of December, and oh, I'm brilliant. beyond excited. Yeah, no, I would say... It, it, I mean, it's sold out, but you can get returns sometimes, and I would advise everyone to catch it. Still I, um, what is your favourite Sondheim show? Is it Follows? No, I don't think... I think... I mean, maybe Sweeney Todd is the sort of greatest. Of okay. I mean, I, I sort of also love things that sit on that cusp of opera and musical. Yes. You know, that's kind of where my... Yeah, Sondheim and Bernstein and, you know, that sort of... And do you have a favourite production of Sweeney? Mm, not the film, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Did you uh, see the Michael Ball production? No, I didn't. With no, Imelda I didn't. Sta- uh, Staunton. I think it was yes, Imelda Staunton. 
Yeah. Um, well, she's in Follies, of course, and that's amazing. Is she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, but Michael Ball was, was stunning, and mm. I wasn't expecting it to be stunning. Right, yeah. There we are. We've given you time. Yeah, well, I, I can't leave <laughs> anything. I'm always going to loads of things. Um, I went to a good thing the other week, Schubert Study Day. <laughs> that was linked to the Uchida concert. <laughs> 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 um, That's but, fine. No, um, we're, we're building up a, a great mental picture of you. A bit of a fan. Yeah, girl. you should see my, my wall at home. It's <laughs> just covered, covered with posters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, it's not really. Um, you know, but those study dates are really good at the... Um, at the South Bank, I, I enjoy those. Um, and what do you do on a study day? It's not coming along <laughs> with your notebook and sort of sharpening a pencil and starting writing. Yeah, it's just sort of a range of talks. It was, it was, it was interesting. It was Bryony Cox Williams, who's a professor at the academy, um, and she gave really interesting talks on um, women in the salon, the connections, of, you know, the sort of Schubert's type salons, and um, how women salons were a sort of a way to escape the rules that women were not allowed to congregate in groups of more than four in public for fear of, well, because men right. were in fear of what they might achieve. Wow. Um, and women weren't allowed to go along to lectures given by men. And so... It's extraordinary, it's isn't it, actually, so how recent ridiculous. that was. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah. Sort of 19th century, and the, their way around this was that people like Fanny Mendelssohn, Clara Schumann, and other um, hosts of salons would, by chance, sort of have these... Uh, chats in their home with you know around the piano it might be like a rehearsal but then they'd start talking about science or they'd have a you know well-known writers come or politicians that's and then they could learn you know which is kind of i mean that's sort of similar to what's going on with piano music now i mean like lucy parham's series at st oh, john's yeah. you know, i mean although she's sort of building stories around composers mm. there yeah. seems to be more of a move towards curating works for concerts and then you know splicing yeah well she's sort of almost specialised in that uh, yeah. I'd say from, from what I can see she does a lot of that and it's yeah it's, it's, it's a fascinating way to, to bring lots of things together mm. I think yeah. a lot of musicians are keen to share those things which excite them and yeah. um and it's I think nice people are much more open-minded about programming and what a concert is these days which is a very good thing mm. and I, I think we're both kind of very well I know you put together some amazing programmes and I, I think you know I'm very yeah, I, I enjoy programming a lot and, mm. and, and try to think of things which aren't just your sort of conventional mm. piano recital. Yeah. I, I think it's a really creative time, actually, it in is, terms of the it? idea of you know, curating and, and, and sort of bringing things together and mm. unusual juxtapositions and, and, and things that can shed light on other things in ways that aren't necessarily expected. Mm. So, yeah. so I think, yeah, it, it's, it feels like a really exciting time from mm. that point of view. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Um, thank you very much. Thank I you. think our time here is, we are bang on 45 minutes. You've been listening to a thoroughly good podcast with me, John Jacob, Christina McMaster and Tom Poster. You can get the latest edition of this podcast by subscribing via iTunes, Audioboom or visiting Thoroughly Good blog at www.thoroughlygood.me. Tweet at thoroughlygood and tell us what you think, or if you prefer, send an email thoroughlygood at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.